Isn't God good? Let's continue to worship him today. He wants our worship in this place.
possible, Father. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord is looking for us, looking for us to stand with them. Open your eyes, open your heart. May He lead you in this week in what you need to do. Let's go. 
God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are reunited with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, Ephesians chapter 2. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are the one that breaks through, God. Thank you that you are the one that has already done everything necessary for us to have freedom in life, to us to live in a powerful way in this life. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. How many appreciate our ushers? Let's give them a hand today. They do this week in, week out, coordinate, get lined up, make sure they're together. We appreciate you guys and ladies. I'm not sure if anybody's doing that. That's a lady book. Father, thank you for the privilege it is to be able to worship you in giving. Lord, as we give today and even consider the future as we have uh, our one-day offering coming up on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, Lord, I pray that our hearts would just be turned to you as we give and that it really would be something that we do with joyful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, how many were able to grab your uh, bulletin on the way in? Anybody grab one here? Hopefully you did. Uh, if you are a first-time guest with us today, we're so glad you're here. Uh, if you would please fill out that welcome card and uh, give that to one of the uh, folks that is at the Welcome uh, Center down the lobby, that would be fantastic. We have something we'd like to give you. Um, hey, some things coming up today. Last day to submit your Easter candy forms. And you know you want chocolate. We are your dealer. We are your chocolate dealer. I know that's terrible, but we are your chocolate dealer for this coming uh, Easter season. And so we, 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 we appreciate uh, those that order year in, year out. If you haven't already, we make some good stuff. And so we'll be making that actually this afternoon. So for students and leaders, uh, make sure we got lunch for you after, and then we're going to make some candy. But those order forms are due today. Um, hey, uh, we have an Easter egg hunt for the young ones coming up on the 16th, the Saturday before Easter here at 9 a.m. Make sure you pay attention to that. And something that I think is the deal of the century, um, all church movie night. We are going to have a movie night outside in the parking lot. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be on a Friday night. The movie's going to start at 8, but we're going to actually open up at 7, so you can come early. So, so if, if, you, if you're like, I could care less about the movies, $10 a car gets you in the lot. We will check your trunk to make sure you're not sticking people in your trunk, okay? Come on, come on you know. But $10 a car will get you the movie and hot dogs and chips and drinks. You're going to have a blast. We're going to have some cornhole set up in one section there outside the seating area. It's going to be a good time. If you just want to stay for an hour, hour and a half and take off, stay for the movie, that's the best, of course. Maybe you've been looking for an opportunity to bring a friend. Maybe you're thinking, what, 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 when can I bring a friend, this person I work with, this person that's my neighbor? This is a great opportunity. April 29th, make sure you check that out. And, of course, we've got our one-day offering coming up on Easter Sunday, which is super exciting. And Noah's going to come. He's going to let you know about an upcoming, upcoming life group on Sunday mornings. Yeah, and that, that $10 is a pretty good deal for my family. That's like a dollar a person, Hans was telling me. Um, so uh, next Sunday at 9 a.m., I just want to invite you, if you're not in a small group or a Sunday school class already, I want to invite you to come next Sunday. If you're looking for a place to just get to know people a little better, um, come at 9 a.m. next Sunday. We're going to start a series called I Changed My Mind. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to test what the, perfect, what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And how many of you know that this world is trying to conform us into its image all the time? But we as believers have something way better than what this world has to offer. And so next Sunday, we're going to start a study called I Change My Mind. We're going to talk about changing our attitudes, changing how we think about success, failure, worry, fear, all these things that God gives us the prescription to in his word. And we're going to dive in, and I just think it's going to be wonderful for you. Um, so if, you, if you're already in small groups, you're already in Sunday school, great. But if you're not, you know, you're welcome there, 9 a.m., and please invite a friend, because I think this is really life-changing stuff, um, and I'm excited to lead, lead, a, lead our study through that. Thank you. Definitely a topic that needs visiting. In fact, we kind of chatted about that in Young Adults Life Group this morning, about our culture. The culture surrounds us is, is just, it's just engulfing the church, and it's not supposed to be that way. We're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to be penetrating that darkness. Amen. 
Amen. Hey, listen, a couple more announcements. One is I hope you got a Worldview magazine on the way in. This is a missions update. We get it monthly. And I'll tell you, worth reading. And the emphasis this month is on the Buddhist and Hindu world and a lot of interesting facts in there. So if you didn't get it on the way in, make sure you grab one on the way out. Also, as Pastor Hans has already mentioned, two weeks from today is our One Day to Feed the World offering to help Convoy of Hope. And Convoy of Hope is doing some great things around the world. I've got a couple of videos I want to show you. But just an update, just so you know, in 2021, last year, in those 12 months, Convoy of Hope served over 29 million people worldwide. 29 million people. What an impact they've had. They've been in existence about 26 or 27 years. Haven't been around that long. And again, pray for Convoy, would you? You know, I would like to see them get some of the notoriety that, you know, the big boys get. I mean, they are getting bigger and bigger and more influential. But not only do they give aid, not only are they there when people are hurting during crisis or tragedy, but they bring Christ. And that's why the world won't feature them. But I would still like to see them get some notoriety. Also, daily, they're feeding 435,000 children around the world, many, many countries, 18 different countries. They've helped thousands of mothers start businesses in developing nations. And they've also helped thousands of farmers increase their yield of crops. Um, I mean, places where they just had no success before, they've had their own. They have one man who leads this program, and his nickname is Dr. Dirt. And Jason Strobel goes into these countries and shows farmers how to do it better. And they're reaping a blessing. And again, he's introducing Christ. So let's go ahead and show the uh, convoy video I had set up for this morning. We got the all clear about 10.30 or 11. We rushed down here, went straight to the candle factory. And then I was handed a stack of cell phones that we had been finding in all of the rubble. And so I was actually fielding phone calls from people wanting to know if their loved ones were dead or alive. You could just hear the hopelessness and the devastation in their voices. We talked to a young lady that was trapped for six hours. It's been amazing to hear the resilience of people. And especially what I saw on top of that rubble at the candle factory Friday night, Everybody, nobody asked, they jumped in and they began to help immediately because they knew somebody from somewhere. They had helped them in the past. And that's what I love about this smaller community. Just shortly after the storm hit and was able to get in touch with you amazing people at Convoy of Hope, Mercy Chef, God's Pit Crew, and within hours, literally within hours, you all responded. And so we just set up a massive distribution center and then uh, we have a drive-through service where the public can come and receive all of their necessary uh, relief uh, supplies. There's volunteers here that are victims of the tornado. I'm, I'm having to ask them individually, do you have power? Do you have water? Do you have food? When you guys first came on the scene, you said we're in it for the long haul. That means more to our community than anything. A, a lot of this is, is gonna be around for a long time. And when this is yesterday's news and everybody else is normal, you guys are still standing strong. So thank you from a local pastor and a local church for organizations that don't just blow in and blow out, but you're here to make sure this community is rebuilt.
Yeah, most of us may not even remember that, but that was just in December in Kentucky when that massive tornado came through and struck. And Convoy was there, and they're still there, still ministering. And of course, as we know, they're also busy right now in the Ukraine. And I want to share an update that they sent my way and uh, for you to watch. Саме більше це миру потребує, але його на даний час немає. Потребує все, і ліки, і продукти, і піклування. Тому що війна, як кожному народу, незалежно від міста чи національності, приносить проблеми, біду, плач, біль. year to do something bigger than we've ever done before. I believe that our record offering on one day to feed the world was somewhere around $25,000 in that one day. And I hope and pray that you'll work with me to make, I want us to, I want us to surpass that because Convoy has been so busy with natural disasters, with political crisis, wars. I mean, they're there. And, and they're not just on the other side of the border with refugees. They're also bringing stuff into Ukraine as are some, of, some pastor friends I know in Romania who are bringing van loads, smaller vans like church vans of, of food and supplies into Ukraine from Poland, from Romania, from Moldova. Everyone's involved. And so, you know, that, that isn't touching us quite as deeply as it may them. But let's, let's do what we can do. Uh, we can easily send funds. They're actually going in and risking their lives. And we still do have missionaries in Ukraine. And... Um, you know, there's a, there's a quotation, and uh, I, for years, I know we, we've all said that it was Edmund Burke who shared this, but actually it was a, uh, another man by the name of John Stuart Mills in 1867. He said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil, listen to this, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. It's not just a matter of fighting evil. For evil to win, all we got to do is sit back and do nothing. And so I pray that in two weeks, you will be involved. 
And uh, you, you can give right now. Again, you can go to Convoy One Day to Feed the World, our, our, our menu button under donations. You can give through that uh, anytime. You don't have to wait until that week, but we will uh, get things ready for you that Sunday morning. Anyways, today I want to continue in our uh, series on heroes, biblical heroes. And also this morning, I want to focus on the ladies. Uh, today's message is entitled The Tale of Superhero Women. And I want us to go ahead and begin with a video clip. We would make a good team. World's finest. <laughs> I'm always picking up after you, boys. You are so much more than just faster than a speeding bullet. So you're imitating my powers and my family crest, but not my gender? Too afraid to be a woman? What's your name, darling? Agent. You're welcome. Elite force of women warriors. About time. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so as you saw in that video clip, there have been a number of female superheroes as well as some super villains represented in various comic books and in movies over the years. And uh, some of the more familiar names might be Wonder Woman, where that began. Uh, Mrs. Incredible, there's Supergirl, there's Storm from the X-Men, there's Batgirl. In fact, Marvel Comics has an online list that contains almost 200 female super beings. I mean, can you imagine that? Almost 200 superheroes that are female. And, uh, you know, you, you watch some of that and you watch some of the antics of climbing the wall and flipping over and, uh, you know, some of the, I mean, some, well, a little bit, little bit of violence. Um, but where I'm going to take you today in Scripture, you're going to see a superhero who easily could have been a subject of Marvel or DC Comics. Um, I think it's safe to say that women have been fairly represented in that milieu. And truth be told, you know, women are, are mentioned in Scripture Quite often, I mean, the Bible is full of women who are crucial to God's plan, to his agenda. Women who are vital for the preservation of God's people, of providing a lineage for a promised Messiah, and eventually the actual arrival of the Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, if we counted up all the women in the Bible, both the good ones and the bad ones, there are somewhere around 150 women mentioned by name in both the Old and New Testaments. And there are others who aren't mentioned, they're just referred to. And so today I want us to take a look at the heroes, women who were heroes. And one of the earliest, of course, would be Sarah. And, and the scripture speaks so highly of her, obedient, respectful towards her husband, a loving mother. Very possibly, she was, very possibly, she's one of the women that Solomon may have been thinking about when he wrote about the virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31. And then in the New Testament, the Apostle Peter also mentions Sarah, and he tells us of how she was to be a model for all women throughout the ages. And you need to consider now how many thousands of years had passed since her existence until Peter writes about her and illustrates her. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. 
He says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is a way that the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters, if you do what is right, and do not give way to fear. And then I also want us to look at what Solomon had written in that 31st chapter. We usually read this on Mother's Day. But this is Proverbs 31, beginning of verse 10. He says, A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She's like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds a distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her husband's her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Now, some have suggested that Solomon was simply presenting a compilation of all the best features of all the women who he'd ever known, which totals about a thousand. But yet, you know, I really do. I sincerely wonder if he was thinking about Sarah, the Old Testament Sarah, the quiet and successful, submissive helpmate to the great patriarch Abraham, the father of the Jews the father of many nations. And there are also other great female heroes of the faith. If you'll remember, there was a prostitute by the name of Rahab. A prostitute, female hero. Yeah, she saved the lives of the Hebrew spies. And as a reward for her actions, she and her family were remembered and they did not perish when God gave Jericho into the hands of the people. Not only did she and her family continue to live at that time, but Rahab continues to live in Scripture. For you see, she's included in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Jesus. She is there. She's also mentioned by James the Apostle. 
Her name can be found in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the great hall of faith chapter of the New Testament. Her name is listed there, obviously because she's being commended for her faith. Esther's another woman from the Old Testament. We could give her credit for being a hero. She risked her own life in order to save the lives of all the Jews. And keep in mind, not just the, the rescuing the lives of her own kinsmen of her day, she was saving the lives of all of the Jews from her day up until the day that the king of the Jews will be born. You see, no Jews, no Jesus. No Jews, no Messiah. She was responsible for keeping the promise of a Messiah alive. And so she clearly is a hero to the Jew and to the Christian, to us alike. You see, if Satan had succeeded in wiping out the Jews while she was queen, then the devil would have been able to prevent the arrival of a Savior, our Savior. Because according to all prophecy, the Savior had to come from the Jews. And so thus far, I've mentioned you three different women, each of them quiet, nondescript, unassuming, very much in the background. Thank God the scripture features them, spotlights them. And you know what, really, truly, they, they would have gone unnoticed in history if God had not given them prominence in the word. It's God who's made sure that you and I are aware of them today that we know of their existence, that they had a place in history and in God's plan. But now I want to introduce you to a female superhero from the Old Testament, a gal really who would have very easily fit into some of those moves that we saw in that video clip. She could have been one of the Marvel comic type women that you saw. Actually, there are two women, one slightly more famous than the other. And I want you to look with me to Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. Judges chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Hadosheth Hagayim. And because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried out to the Lord for help. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lepidot, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and I will give him into your hands. And Brock said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you're taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. And so Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, and there Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite, had left the other Kenites 
the descendants of Hobab, Moses' brother-in-law, and they pitched his tent at the great tree in Zanaim near Kadesh. And when they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera summoned from Hedosheth Haguyim to the Kishon River all his men and his 900 chariots fitted with iron. And then Deborah said to Barak, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? And so Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Herosheth Haguyim. And all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Because there was an alliance between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the family of Heber, the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. And so he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in here? Say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. And just then, Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. And so he went in with her, and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder until Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. Now, there are a couple of things I want to point out here. And not, not, to, not to improperly glorify women, but I do want to point out to you that the Bible does not, listen to me carefully, the Bible does not treat women as second-class citizens. Any woman could have given an amen right there. I don't know what happened. I need cue cards. <laughs> Next week. The Bible does not treat women. The Bible does not treat women as second-class citizens. Now, it's true that some churches do. It's true that some Christian groups do. But not the, I'm going to tell you what, not the assemblies of God. In fact, the, from the founding of our movement... Women have always played a strategic role. Much of our foreign missions effort 108 years ago were spearheaded by women. Women were truly in the vanguard of our missionary efforts. Single women usually going to the furthest parts of our globe, bringing the gospel. At least 20% of our Assembly of God ministers today in the Assemblies of God are women. Not all are lead pastors, but they are credentialed as ministers. Shame in other denominations to segregate in that way. But again, a lot of church groups, even today, denigrate women. And they won't allow them to serve in positions in the church. Some will not allow women to serve as deacons or, or, or teachers or leaders. And, and clearly the Bible gives us example. The Bible gives example of, after example of women who are in such roles. I mean, the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the church in Rome, he mentions Phoebe. Listen, and he refers to her as a deacon in the church in Sencrea. And Sencrea was a city in Greece. There's a woman who is a deacon in that church. The Bible also mentions female prophets, such as Miriam, who was Moses' sister. There was also Huldah in the Old Testament. 
Even Anna in the New Testament, who was 84 years of age, she got to see the baby Jesus. When Mary and Joseph brought him to the temple, she is referred to in that passage as a prophetess. We have Priscilla in the book of Acts, who worked as as a teacher alongside of her husband, Aquila. And of course, this passage in Judges told us that Deborah was a prophet, as well as being judge over Israel. And she definitely prophesied when she told Barak that Sisera would be handed, given over into the hands of a woman. She prophesied that to Barak. And she even named the woman beforehand. She stated that her name will be Jael. And, and, you know, I mean, I think of it, you know, just the image, before you find out what she does, Jael, doesn't that sound like just a sweet, feminine little wisp of a woman? I mean, I mean, I, if it, no, really, I mean, when my, when my sons were dating, I, if, if they brought JL home to my house, I would just, I mean, I just think that'd be wonderful until you read about her in this passage. I mean, this is an Old Testament wonder woman. And I want you to listen to a little bit more of the next chapter. This is Judges chapter 5. Okay, we know what she did, right? But here's a song that was written and they would sing it about her. Judges chapter 5, verse 24. Most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. Most blessed of tent-dwelling women. He asked for water and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him curdled milk. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera. She crushed his head. She shattered and pierced his temple. I don't know how you sing this. (laughs) At her feet he sank, he fell. There he lay at her feet. He sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. I just, I wish I could dramatize (laughs) I should have Pastor Brandon write something. You should have. But really, I mean, what a sweet little dainty thing until you put a a tent peg and a hammer in her hands. She crushed his head, shattered his temple, and they sang this song about her, I'm thinking at least for a few months, if not years. I challenge anyone to try to convince me that the Bible's prejudice against females. The truth is, And the Bible tells us this, that God is no respecter of persons. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And the beauty of Scripture is that not only are there male heroes that are given honor, you know, we read about them as well, But as we read this morning, there are some incredible women in the Bible who are immortalized for the great things that they did. So not only is God no respecter of persons, but I believe that he's willing to elevate anyone who is is willing to humble themselves and serve in his name. And hopefully, you know, the girls of this church and the women of our church will believe this and be willing to do great things for God. So as I close this morning, I first want to thank all the women of our church for your leadership roles, for for whatever you're doing to serve. I mean, whether it be in a life group or girls ministries or nursery and toddler ministry, young adults, even Royal Rangers. Thank you for serving the way that you do. Sincerely, it's got value. 
And of course, I want to encourage even more of our ladies, more women to find a place of service. Because there is a place for you to be a hero. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for the women of this church, for their very many ministries, from women's ministries specifically, all the way through these other arms of ministries that can be led by men or women like life groups or young adults or Royal Rangers. Lord, I thank you for their involvement in girls' ministries in nursery and toddler ministries. Lord, I thank you for every way that they help in setting up for banquets. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon them. Lord, help them to... God, I just pray that you reward them. And Lord, I pray that we, as fellow church members, would remember to give them thanks, to thank them for what they're doing, to express our gratitude for caring enough to give. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up even more leaders among our women and among our girls, that they would see the value in serving, that they would see that they could be a hero by standing in the gap, meeting a need, serving, even in the most humble way. Father, I pray your blessing today upon all the heroes of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At this time, I want to invite Pastor Brandon to come and to lead us in celebrating the Lord's Supper. As you go ahead and uh, prepare your emblems, I want to just point out to you that as we take communion today, I want to talk about three things that we do. We look back. We look back and we remember not only that Jesus died, but how he died. He died meekly and willingly. We look at how he died or why he died, and that was for you and I, for the forgiveness of our sins. He was our substitute. And the great thing is, is that we take part in this. It's not a memorial that we come and we look at and we walk around and gaze upon. We take part in this. We look back, we look ahead, because there is a blessed hope. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, we went through the 16 fundamentals of the Assemblies of God, and there is a blessed hope that Jesus will come again. Amen. And most importantly, before we take communion, we look within. Paul in 1 Corinthians wrote to not come in an unworthily manner. But what is a worthy manner to come in? It's, it's examining our hearts and it's examining the sin in our life that we might approach God. We'll never be worthy if we're doing it on our own merit. It was what Jesus Christ did for us. But we can prepare our hearts now. In Luke 22, it says that Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it and broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body, which is given for you to do this in remembrance of me. So let's take that bread this morning and let's pray. Lord, examine our hearts today. Lord, we remember that what you've done, what your part in all of this was, Lord, it was to lay down your life. But Lord, we have a blessed hope today that you will come again, Lord. And we take this bread now and we recognize and remember what you have done. And we ask you to examine our hearts now. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the bread.
It says, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus, thank you for the blood of, of your body, Lord, that you poured out for each one of us as a substitute for our sin. Lord, you became sin for us. And God, I pray that as we, as we now contemplate, Lord, and we look within, we remember, Lord, that uh, it, it was all for us. It was all for us, Lord. But thank you, Lord, that we look forward to that day, Lord, where we meet you again. I pray that you would bless this time, and Lord, as we uh, remember your blood, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake of the cup. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand together today. Father, thank you for your goodness for us, Lord. We thank you for a time of coming together and uniting our hearts and our voices in worship. God, I pray that it's pleasing unto you, Lord, but Father, we just pray that you would go with us now as we go our separate ways. Lord, that you would allow your word to penetrate our hearts. Thank you, Lord, as Pastor has said, for the, all of the women that serve. Lord, we don't belittle men in any way, Lord. We know that, Lord, you see no difference, Lord, and I pray that you would call great and mighty women to this church, Lord, to stand up and to take, take the mantle, Lord, and, and to take the reins uh, of a ministry, Lord, or whatever the case may be, Lord. But thank you for them. Lord, I pray that you would go with us now as we walk our separate ways. Help our week to, to be one full of your spirit, Lord, as we trust in you. Lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord.